On the Choose to Think podcast, I will encourage and empower you to engage and optimize your best thought life in practical, meaningful ways so that you can live day by day in joy, peace, and God's purpose despite all externals. This is Victoria, and welcome back to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey everybody, this is Victoria, and I'm going to do something a little bit different this week since this is the last Thursday before Christmas. Christmas is this coming Sunday, and so I thought I'm going to read the Christmas story. This is a tradition that we have in our family. We read generally from Luke chapters 1 and 2. We read that after we have our meal and then before we open gifts and everything. It kind of keeps everything in a really good perspective. And it occurred to me that maybe some people haven't heard that Christmas story very often or very much. And maybe it would be something that would encourage your heart just to take a few minutes and dive right into the scripture and dwell on what God has to say about this amazing event that changed world history altogether. So if you'll just go along with me. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 1, and it's really with verse 26. And it goes like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, where he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And that's the end of that quote. I also want to read to you a section of a Timothy Keller book called Hidden Christmas, The Surprising Truth Behind the Birth of Christ. It was published, I think, in 2016. And I'm reading, starting on page 22 of that book. It's so interesting. He says this, quote, The biblical Christmas texts are accounts of what actually happened in history. They are not Aesop's fables, inspiring examples of how to live well. Many people believe the gospel to be just another moralizing story, but they could not be more mistaken. There is no, quote, moral of the story to the nativity. The shepherds, the parents of Jesus, the wise men are not being held up primarily as examples for us. These gospel narratives are telling you not what you should do, but what God has done. The birth of the Son of God into the world is a gospel, good news, an announcement. You don't save yourself. God has come to save you. I would argue that other religions and many churches, when they talk about salvation, understand it and proclaim it as advice. Salvation is something you have to wrestle and struggle for. You have to perform. It comes only if you pray, obey, or transform your consciousness. But the Christian gospel is different. The founders of the the great religion say in one way or another, quote, I am here to show you the way to spiritual reality do all this, end quote. That's advice. Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, comes and says, quote, I am spiritual reality itself. You could never come up to me, and therefore I had to come down to you, end quote. That's news. Christmas, of course, is just the beginning of the story of how God came to save us. Jesus will have to go up to the cross, yet the whole of Jesus's life and salvation is here in embryonic form, foreshadowing what will happen. He came to stand in our place, to pay the penalty of our sin, to take what we deserve. Where, in light of our sin against God and our neighbor, do we deserve to be? Out in the cold and dark. 
Jesus was born in the cold and dark stable, but it was only a foreshadowing. At the end of his life, Jesus will cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, he was thrown out into the spiritual darkness so that we could be brought into the warmth and light of God's presence. Christianity, then, is not primarily about self-improvement. It is not just a place to get some inspiration and guidance for life. Of course, the Christian gospel has massive implications for how you live, but it is, first of all, a message that you need to be saved, and you are saved not in the slightest by what you can do, but rather by what has been done. You begin with Christ, not by adopting an ethic, nor by tuning, turning over a new leaf, nor even by joining a community. No, you begin by believing the report about what has happened in history. Did God really become a human being? Did Jesus really live and suffer and die for you? Did he really rise triumphant over the grave? If that is the case, then all the other things the Bible says about how to live make sense. But if the biblical story begins once upon a time, if it is inspiring advice and not the declaration of the greatest events in history, then it's all nonsense. Christmas shows us that Christianity is not good advice. It's good news. Ah, end quote. I really love that. I think that captures in part the essence of this time of year. And I want to wish you a very, very, very Merry Christmas. I know this time can be so hectic and busy and maybe it feels like a roller coaster ride to you. Maybe there are ups and downs. Maybe you've got children coming in and other you know, grandkids across the country, maybe some kids you won't even get to see. It can be so many different things to so many people. We've got this big weather, big winter weather storm coming through, and that may even prevent some people from being able to come home for Christmas. But wherever you may be, whatever your lot, please know that you're not alone. God is always with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. You are not alone. And I pray that by God's good grace, you will have an amazing holiday filled with peace and joy and hope and that you're surrounded by those you love and that you get to dish out a whole bunch of love to others who need it. And that may just be a smile on your face or a pat on someone's back because others may be looking to you, but just by your presence, may you shine the light of Christ. May this Christmas story mean something far more than just even words on a page, because we're not just talking about the word, we're talking about the word, the word that was made flesh. It's such a marvelous, unique story, and I'm so grateful that I'm a Christian. I'm grateful that you're listening I'm grateful that you and I share that together because that's really marvelous. And I hope that you stay safe and warm. And we're going to come back next week with the very last episode of our Brain Power series. And then we'll close out the year also with an interview, if I'm not mistaken. So God bless you. Please be safe. I love you so much. I couldn't thank you more for your support. And have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. All right. Adios.
And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.